Alright guys, as promised, we are back. I just got a haircut. Didn't have a beer, but I did have coffee. Feeling good. So, let's just jump right into it. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself. Uh, probably mostly about myself as, a, as an introduction to who I am. And um, sort of how I've ended up where I've ended up. I got a very unique... I mean, I think it's a unique story. I've done a lot of different things. Um, I failed more times than I can count. Um, but honestly, those, uh, you know, having this reflective, introspective moment um, and not just some, in some cornball, hippie way, the failures have really been, you know, as, as most people will tell you, the biggest learning. Um, some of the biggest life lessons I've learned have, have been through the failures and have come from things that I've wanted so bad and then I failed at them and realized that it was setting me up for something bigger in the future or it was shaping me to become something bigger in the future. Um, so for the first really 20 something years of my life, um, I identified as a, as a hockey player. Um, it was the direction that I was led into by, by my parents. Um, and um, personality-wise and just identity-wise, that, that's what I, what I had known was this, uh, this life of playing a high level of, of, ho of hockey, traveling um, all throughout New England and Canada. Um, and, uh, you know, it was great. I certainly, there were times where I definitely had a lot of fun. There were times where it was incredibly challenging. And, um, but I never really felt conscious or awake doing what I was doing. It was sort of just coasting and, and searching while I was doing this. And, um, and you know, around, uh, towards the end of, uh, towards the end of my career, I guess, I just got hurt a lot. And, um, was really having these moments of why am I doing this? What is the, the, the bigger picture? Um, and what does this all mean? You know, just, I guess, part of growing up and getting older and being in my 20s is, is having these, these more conscious and introspective moments of, of why I'm doing something. And uh, I just decided, you know, after the, I had surgery once and then I got hurt again and uh, I needed another surgery and, and this injury was, you know, worse than the than last. and. Um, I decided that I was just, I was done with it and I wanted to change and I wanted to, to, to set out on this journey to really find out who I was, what made me tick. Um, and the only other thing that I knew besides hockey was, was I had, uh, I, I describe it as like, it wasn't anything special. I wasn't any sort of like savant or like a gifted child, but I had, I was slightly better than, than say like the average person at being able to draw being or having a creative sort of creative and curious brain and um so at the time I was going to a liberal arts school and I was taking graphic design um you know sort of the early stages of what graphic design was it was called actually when I was in high school it was called graphics design with an s just to to show like how early stages it was and and it was um you know, graphic design has been around forever, but I guess what I mean was the 
inception of digital graphic design using Photoshop and Illustrator. I don't even, maybe Illustrator wasn't around, but mostly Photoshop. So I'd taken a class in high school, I loved it, and I've always been creative, and I could always, you know, as a, as a kid, draw, like I said, slightly better than the average person, and I'd bring home drawings, and my parents would be like, you didn't draw that type of thing, so, and it was never encouraged whatsoever to be a full-time career, um, and I had, you know, just to build on that, I always had sort of a slightly, again, slightly better than the average person um, year for music and just being able to naturally play and pick up um, sort of things in music, completely self-taught in both art and music. So at, at, at 20, 21, whatever it was, I, I decided to, I was going to drop out of liberal arts school and I, and I was reading a lot of books, uh, reading a lot of books on design and art and, and I wanted to pursue something that had more of the meat and potatoes um, of what it meant to be a creative, um, and, um, doing graphic design was really learning behind the computer and being stuck in the computer and, you know, a, a computer is just a tool and the tool is only as good as the person who is operating it. So I wanted to learn more about color theory and composition and really explore the deep inner workings of art and the history of art and why things were done and, and the context of, in which they were created. So, um, I was reading all these books and, and this was, uh, I believe this was in, um, I decided to drop out around fall, I guess, the end of the fall semester. Didn't tell my parents, just sort of made this decision. Uh, it was a conscious decision and it was, it was, it was, it was certainly, it wasn't, it was spontaneous in a sense, but I did the research. I think that's a, an important important lesson is you can be sort of spontaneous and have these impulse moments but definitely put in the, the, the research behind it. it I think it's an equal balance of operating from your brain and your heart and I think the two are have important things uh, to, to say and to contribute but it's you know it's make, listen to your heart listen to your head and make those decisions equally um, so it was certainly a spontaneous decision uh, an impulse decision, but I had some thought that got into it, and um, like I said, wanting to learn the, the, the meat and potatoes and the deep inner workings of art. So uh, I decided that in order to get into a fine art school, I would need to have some kind of fine art background. So I, I went to this this fine art school. It was uh, the New Hampshire Institute of Arts and Sciences. You know, just a 150-year-old conservatory, traditional art, drawing, painting, sculpting. Um, and I went there and, and I'll never forget the day I walked in, very intimidating, but it was really the first time in my life that I was doing something on my own terms. It wasn't dictated by my parents or anybody else. It was it was me making conscious decisions and that was such a liberating moment for me. And I had walked in and I, and I talked to, uh, I'll never forget, man, Liam, uh, and this dude must have thought I was fucking crazy. And, and I was like, you know, how do, how do I get into this school? I don't have any background. Uh, in art, I just sort of have a natural inclination. And he's like, well, you know, put together a portfolio and, and yada, yada, yada. Do the essay and do some of the, the, the work uh, involved for, for applying. And um, I was like, all right, cool. You know, where do I buy a portfolio? And he's like, no, you got to like create a body of work type thing. So, you know, just this kind of naive but passionate young kid with big dreams and... Um, and you know I'll, I'm forever grateful for Liam and, and the admi uh, the administration people over at NHIA for for maybe they just wanted to take my money I don't know but they 
I, I like to think the romantic side of me likes to think they believed in, in this crazy kid. So I, I took a community college uh, drawing class um, and I, I told the teacher basically in one semester you have to give me a crash course in everything that I missed the last you know 18 years or 15 or whatever it is the last you know X amount of years that I missed growing up and kind of give me a crash course in the formal art training and you know I, I bought all the art books and I was drawing and and I don't remember the teacher's name I just remember it was it was like the new it was like the, Na the Nashua Community College drawing intro to drawing class and um and I wish I remembered her name uh, because, again, just somebody who believed, or again, maybe they didn't, maybe they were just nice, but the romantic side of me likes to like to think they just believed in this wild, crazy, passionate kid. Um, took the class, got a crash course, put together this body of work, was really clear in my, my intent was, I need this portfolio, I need the body of work, and I'm going to put it all together and apply to this to this to this art school and um you know I, I i did all that and fast forward i i somehow got into this art school and again forever grateful for liam and the people over at nhia for believing in me and um uh, just a really again another moment in my life where i really started to have a conscious awakening about who i was what made me tick and doing things for the first time in, in my life on my own terms and um and you know everyone called me crazy and i certainly was definitely a little bit crazy it sort of brings me to my next sort of point every now and then i'm gonna be dropping these gems it's it's follow your crazy identify your crazy listen to your crazy and follow your crazy i'm someone who's deeply in touch with with my inner self my consciousness what what makes me tick and i, I you know i listen to that and it's part of you know i was never blessed with with talent I've always just been super average at most things or, or just slightly better. But um, I've done a lot with a little of just being able to listen to my my inner crazy and following it and working incredibly hard. So yeah, if you have this inner drive and inner following, definitely follow it. So got into this art school and uh, you know, I met somebody who would be like really there's a handful of people in my life that I can say really helped sh shaped and changed my life. And she was one of them. Her name's Lynn Polly. Uh, she was a new teacher. Uh, she was the head of the illustration department. Um, we had very similar stories, very similar upbringing. It was sort of like the universe had aligned us and she was unapologetic. She was rogue. She was a renegade. She knew who she was. She did not care. She was loud, boisterous, confident, and those types of personalities can really turn people off. But, she, you know, she had a good heart, man. And, and she, uh, I really, um, I really identified with her teachings. And she taught me, I was so fucking scared when I went to this art school. I'm surrounded by kids who had been basically taking formal art lessons their whole life. You know, they were, they were like, maybe came from art backgrounds or they were told how awesome they were their whole life and and I was just just really crazy sort of kid with a crazy dream and I felt really out of place and and Lynn Lynn really um really helped me man she, she uh she basically her two her, her biggest thing was embrace your hand which is like sort of a technical term or, or, or and really uh, you know, or draw what you see, I guess, was the first one. Just draw what you see. That's what she always said. Draw what you see, draw what you see. And, and she explained how the brain tries to 
trick us into drawing uh, what we think we know as opposed to drawing what's right in front of us. It's like everyone can draw, you just have to learn to draw what's right in front of you. And then the second part of that was embrace your hand. Um, and that just means to not sketch. It means to draw strong, confident lines and be confident in whatever comes out. And um, that sounds kind of, that may not connect with a lot of people, but it really connected with me. And, and, and what I took from that is um, sort of, there's this, when people say, I can't draw, right? They're like, oh, I can't draw a line. I can't draw a stick figure. And, and it's like, yeah, but that's what, you know, makes you creative and special and unique. And that's not some cornball thing. That sounds like some cornball stuff, but it's really not. And the more you learn about art, the more you learn about how that really matters. There's a lot of stuff that's just derived and it feels so fake and, and um, unauthentic and everything sort of looks the same. And the stuff that really resonates with me and really resonates with people who are in the art community and doing it on a, on a high level is stuff that is highly unique and genuine and and being not being able to draw, quote unquote, by, by technical as uh, by like, you know, the, the technical or sorry, the traditional term of what it means to draw is actually a good thing. And it, it's a thing that's a positive. So that brings me sort of to like this next sort of point is, is be who you are in your industry and, 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 and you know, certainly learn from the people that have been successful and, and, and merge the world of trends with your own authentic self. And that's when you're really truly gonna come up with something that's as authentic and, and unique as possible. It's like, let's face it, everything has been done. There's nothing that's really truly original because everything's been done. So how do we look at stuff that's been done and been successful and, or people that have been successful or you know music a genre or an art in art like you know a certain style that's been done and how do we put our own unique spin on it so she was really the first person that taught me these lessons and I was in a place where I was a sponge and I was receptive and and, and it, they really resonated with me so it was a perfect cocktail and um, you know, she sponsored me for what's called a, the Society of Illustrators Student Competition, which is a competition that's held in New York City for all of the be so all of the illustra uh, illustration students around the country um, from these big schools. You know, big like uh, blue blood schools. You know, you Pratt and you have um, Ringling and you have uh, RISD. Uh, so you have at SCAD, right? So you have all these big schools that send these illustrators there. And here we are, a small school, uh, New Hampshire Institute of Art. She, she had sponsored me and I had submitted some, some stuff. So we're talking two years into art school at this point. Two or three years. I think it was two years into art school. And I had submitted this stuff. And, uh, you know, to my surprise, I ended up being one of the winners. And there was like 70 winners out of like 7,000 entries. And, and that was a real validating and, and moment in my life and I, I really didn't know um, how much or how big of a deal that was um, to be honest with you and, and reflecting on, upon that it was really it was something really special but um, it was certainly special at the time but looking back it, it really like wow putting it in perspective it was kind of a big deal um, you know I've only been doing art formally for two years and to win and to be part of a group of students who had won this competition and I got to go to New York City and show my work at this gallery and um, 
it was sort of also a validation for her teaching, you know, that, she, you know, to hear was someone who was sort of steering me in the right direction. And, um, and that really laid the foundation of be who you are, be unique, embrace the things that you love and, and take those and combine them with trends. You know, like it's cute if you want to be original and do all this stuff, but you know, at the end of the day, you got to somehow align yourself with trends or stuff that's contemporary to make it, you know, marketable. And, and there's a way to straddle that line. Um, we hear, we have, we have, uh, sort of this, and, and it's it rightfully so we have this negative connotation when it comes to like pop music right or, or anything that's pop because pop generally means bubblegum it means really sort of generic um but there's a way to to merge those two worlds and if you look at music as an example most recently you, you have these indie artists who are coming up and and it, they're sort of redefining what it means to be pop you know it's just it's just that's i guess another important lesson is just finding that balance right so uh, now I'm rambling, but, but, so I had this style, um, and I guess, uh, I also forget a major key point is that I had discovered, uh, collage cut paper, specifically this movement called synthetic cubism, which was, uh, spearheaded by Picasso and Brock, and it was taking, uh, synthetic, you know, so the word is synthetic cubism. So they were taking stuff like cut paper, which is where the word synthetic comes, comes from. So collage, and they were creating these cubist, you know, when we think of Picasso, we think of, uh, um, we think of, you know, how he had, I guess if you don't know much about art, Picasso is the guy who made the faces all messed up, but he did it in a way that, you know, was cubist. So it's, so synthetic cubism was taking collage and creating, instead of drawing and painting, he was cutting up it into geometric, um, shapes and creating, you know, stuff like guitars, um, still lifes. Um, and then some sort of figurative stuff, um, nude figures, uh, and then combining it with like acrylic and, and pencil and graphite and charcoal. So I had seen that and I was like, man, that is exactly what I want to do. So how do I take that? And that's where the journey started of, of and I discovered that pretty early in my career. I took that, actually I discovered that sort of style of, of art while I was still in liberal arts school. Um, and in an art history class I had taken. So from the get-go, I had already identified what I wanted to do, right? So how do I take that? And it's really been an 11-year journey when I eventually get to talking about my style. It's been an 11-year journey of identifying something that I loved and working and refining it for 11 years, right? So I think that's another important lesson is identify who you are. What is it that makes you tick? What is it aesthetically? What do you want to do? And it's like, it goes back to your why. Why are you doing this, right? And um, this is a saying that I say all the time. It's something that I made up, but you know, as we've already discussed, no one's ever truly original, so maybe I stole it. I don't know, but it's, you'll never know who you are as an artist if you don't figure out who you are as a person. And everyone, wants to have this signature style, this signature voice, this signature aesthetic, this signature something, but they're constantly, you know, searching and maybe they're not looking in the right places. It's really have these introspective moments and figure out what makes you tick, who you are and commit to that. It may not be cool. When I was doing collage and synthetic cubism, it was not cool. I remember so many people telling me like, I remember a moment where a student that was my contemporary had walked up to me and said, man, you should definitely like paint or like draw more. And it was like a backhanded sort of compliment, not even, it was probably just a straight up insult, right? Or just, you know, passive aggressively telling me that I needed to paint and draw more, but I, I was committed and I knew that I loved 
cut paper. So how do I take this thing, commit to it, and make it special, make it unique, and make it my own? So uh, the the Society of Illustrators uh, competition that I had won was was cut paper, and it was cut, it was you know collage letters and cut paper. And if you just sort search like on Google, Kyle Mosier Society of Illustrators competition, um, you'll see it was a bird. Uh, drawn in pen and ink with an acrylic wash with cut paper and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about but that was the very early stages of mixed media and collage cut paper synthetic cubism whatever you want to call it that was the early stages uh, and that was my sophomore year so fast forward let's fast forward let's get through this my senior year um, I decided that I was going to do something non-traditional for my senior project we had to have a senior project something that showcased um, Something that showcased or a body of work that showcased what we had learned and, and, and who we are who we were right so This is another very important lesson for me um, because I've pretty much my whole life been up against adversity up against um, You know either people telling me I can't or people telling me that what I'm doing I should change and there's certainly some valid points to be made when people give you critiques so you know it's okay to be a, a renegade it's okay to be this rogue outlier but certainly I think to a certain extent you need to listen or you need to at least be open to listening to what people say that doesn't mean you have to take their advice verbatim just be open to it so basically what what I had done um, was uh, for my senior show I decided to do something that was like pop culture fashion uh, meets fine art and it was my first attempt at merging these two worlds and um, I decided that I was gonna do a clothing line I was obsessed with streetwear this is we're talking back in 2009 right so the very sort of like not the earliest inception of streetwear but streetwear was not where it is now where it's become fully blown saturated all over the market we're talking I still had to drive to like New York City or maybe one or two stores in Boston carried like the hundreds or uh, or Stussy right so the very early inception of streetwear 2009 so I wanted to, to mix fi the, the, the things that I had learned in fine art with streetwear and um, and I wanted to do it I wanted to do both traditional canvas um, media non-traditional uh, stuff like print and very non-traditional stuff like clothing right and I didn't just want it to be like oh I'm gonna buy a pre-existing t-shirt and screen print it on it right and I want it to be how do I take this shirt and make it sort of a one-of-one one? or how do I do a limited run by combining screen printing with also hand cutting hand sewing cut and sew and again we're talking 2009 so uh, I, I feel like I, I should I, I feel like I in the right to give myself a little bit of credit that I was definitely ahead of the curb um, and so I, I did this really fucking stupid but also amazing thing where I took out in any college student I guess I'm not sure if this is still a thing but I took out more than than I needed for my for my student loan that year so I could get more back and I took that money and I invested it into buying a fuck ton of Nikes, like a fuck ton of like sneakers, uh, Nike, Circa, uh, Adidas, a fuck ton of clothes. I had a bunch of shit screen printed. I bought a bunch of blank skateboards. Um, basically, I was going to create a store, a brick and mortar store as my senior show in a space and sort of have it be a pop-up. Um, 
again, all way before buzzwords like pop up and brick and mortar and uh, streetwear. All, I was I was certainly very ahead of the ahead of the curve, which I'm usually not. So I like to give myself credit where credit is due because sometimes I'm just dumb or late on things. Um, so I had this idea for a pop up, and um, and I created this storefront. I did some paintings. I did some prints. Um, I did. I, I taught myself how to sew. I ripped apart sneakers and did one of a kind sneakers worth completely cut and sew. Um, I, I had themes. So if you think of like a capsule collection, I would do. I did like a a play on um, Wizard of Oz where I would have a, a scarecrow shoe where I completely cut it up. Put use burlap. Use um, straw. Use some different types of like perf leather. Um, and it came together really cool and that was my first pop-up, right? So it, at the time the school was fucking pissed at me because this were still they were still considered They were still trying to consider themselves like a traditional like painting sculpting drawing conservatory and um, and now um, And now they had this kid who was doing like a streetwear store using clothing um and, and I and I had straddled that line between being kicked out. Like I remember at one point, um, the people that I were my mentors, specifically Lynn, thought I was fucking crazy and and she didn't see or share the vision. And this is when, you know, this is where another lesson is don't be afraid to be bold. Even people that may be in your corner may not share your vision. Uh, and Lynn certainly didn't and that doesn't take away from her genius. She just didn't, you know, I, I there was just certain things that I was ahead of her uh, on when it, especially when it came to stuff like streetwear because that wasn't her world or combining these worlds of pop uh, pop art and, and fine art and streetwear you know and I had to go against the grain I had to take a lot of criticism you know and push through that and this is reflecting on it now this just goes to show that really believe in yourself and believe in your crazy and believe in your vision so here's where I got my I guess my first or my next big break aside from the Society of Illustrators competition is that I had, um, there was a girl who went to my school who, whose like brother's wife was working at Puma at the time. So she had walked, just by chance, walked through my senior show and saw that I was doing custom sneakers and this led to an internship at Puma which was like the fucking dream for me. Like I was driving from New Hampshire to uh, Northern Massachusetts, uh, Westford Mass, if you guys, any of you guys are familiar with New England where, where Puma's headquarters were. And I was doing this, this internship, designing sneakers and being a part of the sneaker team. And this was like this, the fucking coolest thing that I had ever done in my life. It was the biggest validation for me. It was the first time, it was like probably the second time I could be like, fuck you. And I, you know, it's not, always good to be vindictive and kind of spiteful but every now and then you can give like a big fuck you to people who um didn't believe in you uh and then keep it moving and try to be humble but you know every now and then you can let out your inner kanye and this was one of those moments where i was like fuck you like this is now i'm interning at puma i'm part of the sneaker design team and um it was amazing it was like it was a resume builder and uh and then i i typical me I, I fucked it up man I was just I was I was too eccentric I I wanted to 
you know, do so much. I wanted to dictate where the sneakers would go. I, I was really pushing for at 2009, Puma should be more innovative. They should be more cut and sew. They should move away and try to do more challenging things. And my big personality and my big dreams and my need to do things differently and bigger and better has really been kind of like this, it's been, it's been a double-edged sword. It's been the positive for me, and it's why I am where I am, but it's also the negative. It's why I keep getting fired from jobs. But, um, but yeah, I, did, I just I got fired, or I, or I didn't get fired, but I wasn't offered a full-time position after my internship. Um, you know, they just, they, they definitely felt like I was just sort of this, this uh, uncontainable entity, right? Free-spirited. But, you know, um, I'm going to actually, I'm going to wrap this first part up I think we got a lot there. I'm getting this notification from Anchor that you are now recording long form audio. Certain sharing features will be will be disabled. I don't know what the fuck that means. I'm gonna dig in and try to figure out what that means. Um, and we'll continue. But that's the first half of my story. There's there's probably gonna be two or three more parts of this. And uh, once I once I give you guys a sense of who I am and my, what my journey is, I'll start to talk a little bit more in depth about things that I can share with you if you're an entrepreneur if you're an artist if you're just somebody who's fucking crazy wants to do crazy shit um maybe I can help you or just provide you sort of a a blueprint I don't think there's a certain way to do anything there's always exceptions to rules and you guys can kind of just listen to me ramble on and, and take what you want from it um and we'll go from there this is all super loose in structure and format and uh like I said it's partly serious partly just entertaining we're gonna wrap it up at the 30 minute mark perfect mark we'll wrap it up and, and kind of figure out what all this technical jargon means on, on anchor side and hopefully everything works but uh i'll catch you guys on the next part of this thanks for tuning in you can find me if you guys are just tuning in find me at kyle Mosier, k-y-l-e i just forgot how to spell my name k-y-l-e-m-o-s-h-e-r kylemosier.com my social handle the only one i have is instagram it's the t-h-e Kyle Mosier, K-Y-L-E-M-O-S-H-E-R, or just put my name in Google and and find out what all the good and bad things people have to say about me and my work. Um, Thanks, guys. I'll check you guys uh, on the next episode.